0: 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless his holy inspired and inerrant word to us today. And we have before us in this word three graces that are mentioned. Faith, love, and hope. Of course all throughout the New Testament we see this uh, triad of graces mentioned together and we're gonna focus in on those three things today and we want to, first of all, look at how faith, hope, and love are graces. Then we want to look at how faith, hope, and love are outgoing. Outgoing. And then how faith, hope, and love are productive. So graces, outgoing, and productive. Faith, hope, and love. Well, John Calvin said of this little passage here, these, these just a couple of verses, he says, we have before us today... Uh, a brief definition of true Christianity. So as we look at this passage, we can not only be encouraged in uh, our faith as we examine it, but we can also not only examine the faith, but examine ourselves to see do we have true spiritual life? Are we truly Christians? It's a great measuring stick. And we can also look at ourselves and be encouraged in our faith, in our love, and in our hope. And that's the goal for me today, to help you, to encourage you in building up faith, hope, and love in your life. Because our faith can waver, our love can grow cold, and our hope can be misplaced. And so the passage before us today will be a great encouragement to us, I hope. Every Christian is, according to this passage, a believer, a lover, and a hoper. And John Stott says that. I think that's a great way to put it. A believer, a lover, and a hoper. Now, last week we looked at verse 1. I didn't get uh, as far as I wanted to last week. That's okay. I think think that really worked out well because we focused in on uh, verse 1 where it says, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I I made the point last week that God, the Lord, is the source of all spiritual life. I mean, if we are not united to Him, then we have no spiritual life. We're not really believers. We're not... we're, 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 We're lost if we're disconnected from the Lord. He is the source of grace, as it says there, grace to you and peace. Those come to you... Through the Lord. They don't come to you any other way. They come to you only in God, through Christ. And that's an important point that we want to make. We want to hold on to that point as we think about these things. Because you cannot produce faith, hope, and love in, and in yourself. You, you can't generate this from within, on your own, without the Lord. It's the Lord's work in your life. So if you have faith... And love in your heart, and hope that are pointed in the right directions—that's a product of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's that's God at work in your life. If you if your faith is not pointed at the right object, if your if your love is uh, is dead or misplaced, if your hope is just in the here and now, then there's something wrong. Uh, there's something wrong spiritually. You're not. You're not connected to Christ, if that's the case. and If you look at yourself and you see that that's the case, then you need to go to Christ. That's how we find the remedy for that problem. And that brings me to the first point. Faith, hope, and love are graces. They're they're gifts from the Lord. Um, We see it in different passages throughout the Scriptures where faith... Love and hope are all gifts from God. Ephesians 2, by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Now when you do a study of this in the original language, uh, you will see... And I, and I don't want to give you some technical explanation of it, but the important word in this passage is this. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. What does this refer to? Of course, if we go back. I think it refers to everything that went before it. By grace, by a free gift of God, you have been saved through faith. So this salvation, even the faith is a gift from God. How do I know that? Because this is in the the neuter, uh, uh, gender or neuter uh, voice. I can't remember what it is. Neuter voice, I'm not that great of a uh, Greek scholar. But the faith and salvation, one is masculine, one is feminine. And because it has a neuter pronoun there, it's referring to all of it. And it makes sense, doesn't it? Salvation is a gift from God. Faith is simply the instrument through which we receive it, and that faith, even that faith, is a gift from God. So when we come to the Lord, when we're united to Him, that even the faith that we exercise is given to us. We might make a conscious decision at some point. We might cry out to the Lord and say, "Lord, I'm I'm a sinner and I'm lost and I need You." And we 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 might say, "Yes, we have." exercise faith but before any of that happened God was at work God was at work with his Holy Spirit bringing life into your soul so that you would cry out to him giving you eyes to see that you would see your sin and cry out to him so even our faith and the salvation that comes from it is a gift from God the Lord talked to the to the folks on the Exodus especially that second group that was about to go into the promised land In Deuteronomy chapter 30, Moses writes, The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. So see, the the people of God in the Old Testament, God worked in their hearts to give them a love for himself. I'm going to circumcise your heart. I'm going to fundamentally change your heart. I'm going to give you a soft heart. I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to take away the heart of stone so that you will love me. So love is a gift from God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 16 and 17 talks about hope. This little benediction that's there in the middle of the book. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace. Comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. So it's God who loved us, gave us comfort and hope through grace as a free gift. He freely gives comfort. He freely gives hope. We're going to think more about what those are, but I wanted you to realize that these are because gifts from God and you must go to God to get these Jesus gifts of faith, hope and love. Now, it doesn't mean that 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 everybody in the world doesn't have faith or hope or love that's not a Christian because I believe everybody has faith in something. You know, even an atheist believes something. I mean, we all believe things. Every human being believes something. Fundamentally, you you have to have a faith to believe that this world came into existence randomly, uh, something from nothing, or you have to believe that something is eternal, right? I mean, if you don't think that God is eternal, then you you have to believe that matter is eternal. You have to believe that something has always existed because something cannot come from nothing. There has to have always been something there. Christians believe that God is that eternal thing that's always been there. Non- uh, atheists, non-believers say, well, matter is eternal. There's always been something, and that something came together and exploded, and, and here we are. That takes faith, because you cannot prove that. You cannot prove that anything is eternal. You can't go back in time and, and look at it. Scientists are always trying to recreate the Big Bang the, you know, to, to prove the Big Bang theory in uh, their laboratories, but they can't go back beyond that Big Bang. It's impossible. So it takes faith to believe that. It's not saving faith. It doesn't help you. It's misplaced faith. But people have faith. We're talking about saving faith and love. People love, you know, in our world that aren't Christians. They We have a human capacity to love and and hope, though people put their hope and love on wrong objects quite often. And that brings me to my second point. Not only is faith, hope, and love a gift from God, but faith, hope, and love are outgoing. And what I mean by outgoing, they move towards an object. They have an object. Faith has an object. Love must have an object. Hope has an object. Let's look at each one in turn. First of all, faith. Faith has an object. You, you believe in something. You put your trust in something. The important thing about faith is not the size of it. You know, we, we tend to say that a lot. You know, Oh, he's got great faith, or he's got little faith. The most important thing is the object of your faith. If you have, you have a little faith in a great God, that's enough. And what we mean when we say he has a great faith is that time and again, they live their lives trusting in this God in every circumstances of, of life. So it's the amount of, really it is the amount of times that you actually are trusting in the Lord. How, how often you know, is it part of your life to, to just give your life to the Lord and live dependent upon him? That's what great faith is. It's not some feeling or some will that you have in your heart that you whip up. It, it is actually putting your trust in God. You know, when you get in the car and drive around, you trust other people. You know, you're trusting that everybody's not going to act like they live in a third world country where they have no laws and run over you. You know, you, you have faith. You don't think about it, really. Or at least you don't think about it too much. You need to think about it some and be a defensive driver on the lookout because people will let you down, right? But yes, we exercise that faith and we don't even think about it. That's the same as true of God. If we are trusting in God, God is our, the object of our faith. Um, that's what matters. We're trusting in him every step of the way. That's what we're looking for. That's what Paul saw in the Thessalonians. He was worried about these new believers. He had gone there. He had preached to them. They responded to the gospel. Then the opponents of the gospel, the opponents of Christianity formed a riot and the end result was Paul had to leave town in the middle of the night. And he went to Berea and the opponents from Thessalonica followed him to Berea. And so he had to move on down the line. He went to Athens. And then he went to Corinth. And it was in Corinth after he had sent Silas and Timothy back into Macedonia to see the Thessalonians and the Philippians, he meets back up with, with uh, Timothy and Silas, and he gets this encouraging report. He was He's wondering, what's going on with those Thessalonians? I, I didn't get to spend a lot of time with them. And he's finding out that they're standing strong, even in the face of persecution. And so he's saying, you know, we're just rejoicing. We're praying for you, we're remembering you, and we're remembering... Your, your faith, your love, and your hope that he's heard about from Timothy. See, they had put their faith in the Lord. I had someone tell me, I've heard it uh, other times before, but I distinctly remember one person telling me uh, that she, she admired people of faith. She said, I, I admire people of faith. And she didn't distinguish between religions. She just admired anybody that had faith in anything. Well, I was—I hope she admired my God that I had faith in. That would be better—that she would admire God and put her faith in God. Because if you put your faith in some of these other gods that people worship, you're wasting your time. I have a friend whose aunt created her own god, and that's who she worshipped. She named him Colin. It was—it's bizarre, isn't that silly? It's really stupid because Colin's not going to do anything for you. Colin's not even a, a real god. And yet people worship fervently false gods. That was the problem in the Old Testament with the people when they got banished from the land. Why did they get kicked out of Judah? Why did they get kicked out of Israel? Because they was, they were worshiping gods who were not gods. They had they had thrown aside the living and true God and they were worshiping idols like the peoples around them. And that really made God angry. And so he exiled them from the land. So it's the object of our faith that matters. And this, this is a gift of God, so it's not just some sense or feeling or religiosity. It is putting your trust in, a, in God squarely in on God now love love has an object as well people today think love is just some warm feeling uh, and, and there are certainly feelings associated with love but love is more of an action a, a benevolent action toward an object it could be God You know, to love God and how do you love God you, you obey his commands the scripture tells us you listen to him if you love him uh, you will serve him, you will worship him. See, these are things that you do, even though you may not feel like it. Love, I'm sure what Paul saw, saw in the Thessalonians was not only a love for God, but a love for others. So others is an object of our love, proper love. Not just a general warm feeling, as I said, but you know, a real sacrifice for someone else. That uh, they served one another, they gave to one another, so love must have an object for it to be proper love. we can love all kinds of things, and people do love all kinds of things we can love material possessions we can love uh, we can love our, ourselves and we do that 's part of the sin nature that we have uh, we can place our love on many Objects that are, that are not worthy to be loved. Some people love really bad things, and you see the damage that that can do in life. So, the object, again, of love, just as it is with faith, is really important. And hope. Sometimes when we talk about hope, we think that we're just, you know, it's just wishful thinking. You know, I, I, I hope I get uh, a car for Christmas. That's not, not going to happen. But, uh, you know, I can, it's wishful thinking. I hope I. I hope uh, an ant wins the Mega Millions lottery. You know, that would be great. And that they would remember me. Or I, I hope, you know, these things. That's just all wishful thinking. When the Bible talks about hope, it's talking about a definite future that God has promised that's going to come to pass. And the hope that we have is that we are looking forward to that future and living in light of it today. It's our hope. It's where we're going. It's the goal that we know is coming, that God is moving us towards, and it's influencing the way that we think about and live today. That's Christian hope. Martin Luther, we just sang it. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. Why would you let your your goods and your kindred go? Uh, The body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. See, that's somebody who had a hope. It, It wasn't all about the goods I have in this life, the comfort I have in this life, the peace I have in this life. It's all about God's kingdom, the future, what's coming. And I'm going to live, and that's what Luther did, I'm going to live in light of that future today. Luther was a great example of that. It's not wishful thinking. It's just looking towards the future and making decisions today based on that future. So faith, hope, and love are outgoing. So the object of hope here is the future. That's what we're hoping in and looking forward to. And as believers, we have a wonderful future, new heavens and new earth laid out for us. So to invest all of our energy and all of our thinking and, and everything into this life and into material possessions is really, in the grand scheme of things, you know, when you measure it against the eternity that's before us, that's really not the the true treasure that you should be seeking. There's something greater something more abiding that is to be had than just money and cars and property, etc. So faith, hope, and love have objects. They're outgoing. And, and we need to understand that because what is the object of our faith, hope, and love? Like I said before, everybody has faith in something. Everybody loves something. Everybody is hoping for something, living for something. The question is, what is that thing? that you're believing in? What is that thing that you're loving? What is that thing that you're hoping in? That's the challenge question for us today as we think about the Thessalonians. Paul saw in them that their faith, their hope, and their love were upon the proper objects. They were trusting in God. They were loving God and loving others, and they were hoping in, in what was coming when Christ returns. And Really, Thessalonians is a lot about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll see it even in the very end of this chapter. In verse 10. Well, faith, hope, and love are graces given to us by God. They're outgoing. They must have a proper object. And then thirdly, faith, hope, and love are productive. And that's what he means here when he says the the work of faith, the labor of love, and the steadfastness of hope their faith produced works. Their love produced labor. Their hope produced a steadfastness or an endurance. Let's look at these real quickly in turn. You can say you have faith, but as James said, if you don't have works to go with it, then your faith is dead. Works without Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. That's the important part. If we trust in God, if we put our faith in God, there will be certain things that we do, right? If you believe something is true, if you believe in something, it's going to affect how you behave, what you do. For example... And this may not be the greatest example, but if you believe that something is wrong with your body, if you've got a a strange pain, you know, some symptoms, you know, the rational person says, okay, there's something wrong and I'm going to respond to that by going to the doctor. Now, of course, I know some people ignore signs and they don't go to the doctor, but you should. You should go to the doctor. You believe something to be true and you act upon it. If you believe it's important to pay your taxes come tax time, you will pay your taxes if you're able to do so. If you think it's no big deal and that they're just, you know, really it's an optional thing, then you probably won't pay your taxes. You're going to be rudely awakened and surprised. But see, you know, what we believe about certain things makes us behave certain things. If we believe in God if we're putting our trust in him, it means that we will act that way. There will be indicators of that. It'll produce works. We will do certain things in response to that faith. Same is true with love. The word labor, the labor of love, it's more than just labor. I think that word probably isn't strong enough for what's being written here. It means trouble. It means wearisome labor, travail, toil. So what Paul saw in the Thessalonians was them them going out of their way to sacrificially love God and love others. That's what he saw in them. That was some marks of a true Christianity. Labor of love and then steadfastness of hope. That word steadfastness also means endurance, perseverance. You know, they faced a lot of opponents there in Thessalonica. Paul, as I said before, you know, he had to run out of town in the middle of the night to escape these enemies. Well, the people in the church had to live there. And yet they were hanging tough. They were sticking with it. They hadn't abandoned the faith because they were looking forward to the, to the return of the Lord. Uh, verse 9. They themselves, Timothy, report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. So they were enduring and waiting for that day when the Lord would return. They've reached heaven before then, obviously, but they're still waiting for the Lord to return, and that's the hope that we have. So faith, hope, and love, and productive. So what we want to think about real quick in conclusion is this. How does what you believe result in works? To turn it around... Think about what you do in your life, how you live your life. Is, are those things that you do a result of your faith? Is it, do they point back to a faith in God? You know, you come to church, obviously. That points back to a faith in God, hopefully. You know, what are the things that you do in your life that point back to your faith in God? Let's think about love as well. What are you sacrificing your time and your money and your energy on? That's what you love. You can say, I love this or I love that, but where you spend your time, your resources, your money, look at your calendar, look at your checkbook. That's what you love. And what are you living for? Are you just living for today? Are you just living for this world? Or are you laying up treasures in heaven? Where where's your hope lie? What's going to make your life for eternity worth living? Is it that you have achieved certain things in this life, or is that you're prepared for the life to come? Well, Calvin said best. You know, this is this is a brief definition of true Christianity. You know, we have faith in the Lord. It's our love for Him and others overflows. The love of Christ in our hearts overflows out to others. And we're living not for this world, but for the world to come. Every Christian is a believer, a lover, and a hoper. So today, if you find, like me, as I am examining myself with this passage, that, yeah, I need to exercise my faith better. Because, you know, yes, it's a gift from God, but it's one that we should exercise now that we have it. Exercise your faith. Place it upon the Lord. How can, I, how can I put my faith more in the Lord? Where am I not trusting Him? What parts of my life are, am I withholding from Him? How can I love Him and love others more? And you know, that's what I think Paul was saying this to them. He was praying for them, but he was doing it as a way to encourage them on in their works of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope. Where's my hope lie? Am I hoping to win the lottery or am I hoping to, to win God's lottery, which is the new heavens and new earth? You know, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, is that what I'm looking forward to? See, that puts things in perspective. So this is a, a real perspective changer for us, for believers. If you don't know any of this, then I will go back to my point last week. You know, well, that's always worth the... We all need to go to Christ, and pray and ask the Lord to give us more faith, give us more love, give us more hope. So we constantly need... But maybe you're not a believer today. Your life doesn't exhibit any faith. Um, Your love is just for this world. Your hope is in the here and now. Then I would say turn to Christ because faith in whatever you're placing your faith in is pointless. There's only one true and living God, the creator of all things, and he's the one to whom we answer. Uh, True love can only be discovered in relationship with God, and that not on the things of this world. Those things are fleeting. He's eternal. And our hope, you know, where is all this going? Where is history going? Well, let's go into his kingdom, the new heavens and new earth. That's where this is all going to end up, and you don't want to be left out of that. So if, so if that's you today, then I would say, cry out to the Lord. Call upon him today, and he will save you. Let's pray together. Lord, we all are challenged by this passage, and we pray that you would increase our faith, our love, and our hope. And may we place them on the proper objects, not upon things of this world, but upon you, and upon our fellow human, uh, fellow. Uh, our, place our love upon fellow human beings, uh, who come into our path, and Lord, we pray that our hope would bear us up and help us to endure through all the challenges of life. We think, hey, it's not all about this life, it's about the life to come. And Lord, help us to, to live in such a way to make an impact in this life because we're looking forward to the world to come. And Lord, if anybody here doesn't know you today, I pray, Lord, that they would call upon you that you would minister to their heart and draw them to yourself. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.